Well, not every Christian couple feels guilty about sex, but a surprising number do. I remember a question that was submitted for a Q&A panel that I was participating in at a marriage conference for Christians, and it was something like, I'm married now, but I really, really look forward to and enjoy sex with my husband. Is that okay? Or is there something wrong with that? Welcome to the Only You Forever podcast. If you want to build a thriving, passionate marriage, we've got the research, the truth, and the answers you've been looking for. And now, here are your hosts, Caleb and Verlinda Simone Gendel. Hey, everybody, this is episode number 96, and we're going to be talking about this issue of guilt and sexuality. So, just to wrap some context around this, our Moral convictions are that sex is intended for married couples only, but inside of that marriage bond, it's intended to be enjoyed and explored in a way that grows and deepens and becomes a richer and richer experience over the lifespan of one's marriage. So I'm not here. We're not here today to try to help you get comfortable with extramarital sex or polygamy or pornography use or anything else that falls outside of the bounds of healthy marriage sex. Mm-hmm. Yet, I think in coming to this issue, I'm not only speaking to couples today to try to encourage you to embrace the full opportunity of being sexual with your spouse, but also to those who lead our churches and who teach about marriage and who speak to young people about chastity. What we're going to see is we need to be very careful about how we talk about sex to make sure that while we communicate the boundaries that God has placed on sexuality, we also communicate the blessing part as well. Mm-hmm. That's a good point. So I think, Verlinda, the best case in point is a guy I talked to once who said, I can count on one hand the number of times we've had sex in our many years of marriage. Mm, That's just sad. Yeah. And the issue there was the teaching that she had received that sex was dirty and wrong and bad. And when she finally found herself in a situation where it was legit by her own values or value system, Mm -hmm. she just couldn't flip that switch on and start enjoying it. It was just Mm. so pounded into her that you don't do this. Yeah. And we also heard from a wife in our survey that we did in December telling us that she lives in a sexless marriage and it's tearing her heart out. And then she says, but I really love this guy. Like he's a great husband, but he has the same kind of holdback where it's like he's been taught all its life. It's bad. And now he can't Can't switch it. Cherish her in that way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. So let's start by talking about the impact of religion. And I'm just going to use that word for now because the researchers that we're going to refer to, they looked across three major religions for their research on sexuality. Okay. So the impact of religion on sexuality. And over the past few decades, many research studies have been completed on the correlations between religion and specific sexual attitudes and experiences. And okay. sort of the classic people on this, when you go back and you're thinking is Masters and Johnson. And in 1970, they looked at how religious upbringing affected sexual arousal and orgasm and sexual satisfaction and pain during sex. And Masters and Johnson, they found that a strict religious upbringing in Judaism, Catholicism, and Protestantism was associated with different types of sexual dysfunction. Wow. And these dysfunctions included impotence, erectile dysfunction, anorgasmia, the inability to achieve orgasm despite adequate stimulation, and vaginismus, which is painful spasms in the vagina during sexual intercourse. And so these are very real issues. And, and they're issues from the Bible that we read. Mm-hmm. And we certainly enjoy sex in our marriage. Mm-hmm. And so what I don't want to happen is that we're criticizing the scriptures. No, exactly. But how we teach these things becomes important. And yes. that's where we're going and how we think about them and how we think about what we've been taught 
as far as those of you that are listening today and this is an issue for you. Okay, okay. so that's where we want to go. Yeah. And so, you know, and I find this a different place. Like I have a, a book in my library here that is written by Christian sex therapists, same thing they go to. And so this is not a secular criticism of Christianity, but they point out that strict anti-sexual teaching from our pulpits is one of the root causes of these types of sexual dysfunction. It's not the only cause, but it's particularly yeah. the one that we're, we're focusing on today. Okay. So if you're out there and you're experiencing pain during intercourse or you can't get an erection or experience orgasm because of the feelings of guilt and shame that arise whenever you think about your private parts or feel attracted to your spouse sexually, just know that you're not alone. And not only are you not alone, there's actually quite probably nothing wrong with you, like as far as nothing your body. physically. Yeah. Yeah. You may have just been kind of so burdened by these unhealthy messages that it's affecting your ability to respond or your body's ability to respond appropriately to what is now legitimate. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's the thing, Verlinda, where we get, you know, in our heads, we can believe something's okay, but maybe in our heart and we can't get our body to follow. Like it's just because we've been taught this for so long. Right. And maybe it's been so hammered into you, this belief that you can't think it's possibly a good thing. So we're going to get into this today. If you're having trouble, though, experiencing sexual arousal because of these feelings of guilt, we do have a separate audio track. It explains what's going on and the beliefs and thoughts that you might have. It gives you very specific examples of those and how you can change them. So you can move towards embracing the blessing that sex can be in your marriage. If you give me your email... I will send you a link to this private unlisted audio track. To get a hold of this, just text the word podcast to 9292 spouse, that phone number, or else go to the blog post for this episode at oif.link slash 96. Scroll down for the gray box with the orange button. And either way, you'll be asked for your first name and your email, and you'll receive that link back shortly so that you can get this unlisted audio clip. It's available exclusively to our email subscribers. I just ask that if you have to pay for your text messages, remember that you'll be charged as usual, since we do have two or three responses back and forth to your text just to get your information. Okay, let's get into this. All right. So first of all, Verlinda, I just want to look at why religion complicates the sexuality thing. Okay. Okay. Now, we've kind of established that there's this guilt thing here. Mm-hmm. that goes on that plays into this. And I wanted to look at this as it relates to our spirituality and a study from 2007 by Wu et al. And they pointed out that there is this link that where there's higher levels of religious fundamentalism or intrinsic religiosity, that's the strength of your beliefs within yourself and spirituality, that those higher levels are associated with higher levels of sex guilt in, in the people that they were looking at. Okay. So, so what is sex guilt? Sex guilt is the ways that we might punish ourselves for what we think is improper sexual conduct. Okay. So you can kind of beat yourself up for having sex with your husband because you enjoyed it too much and it shouldn't feel that good. Okay. Okay. Yeah. This is sinful pleasure and you can't separate the sinful from the pleasure and realize that it's actually godly pleasure. Okay. Yeah. And so what they observed is that if you're more fundamental in your beliefs, then sex guilt can be a huge factor in determining your sexual desire. So if there's lots of guilt, there may be much less sex. If you don't have that guilt, sex could be fine for you. Okay. And generally, this happens more amongst more fundamental and more religious people, to kind of broadly use their terms. I think that's ironic. Like, you'd think that, like, marriage is a God-given institution. It is. And sex is like a, a gift from God, so to speak. You know, that pleasure. Yeah. That you'd think it would be a better thing. Right. So think about that though. Like, how does this happen then? 
for, for this? Like, how do you get this guilt if you're in this group of people? I guess it's from the teachings of like sex is bad. Yeah. Because these folks are going to church more, paying better attention to the, the mm, their teachers, preacher, yeah. preacher, whatever they are. And as a result, are getting more of the negative messaging. And in all sincerity, the teacher and preacher is just trying to say, like, don't have sex before marriage. They're really trying to stop that from happening. They're mm-hmm. trying to keep their people holy or whatever. Mm-hmm. So, that, like, they're being sincere. Yeah. Okay. Don't need to be nasty towards anybody. Yeah. But that's how this all happens. Okay. Does it make sense? And that's yeah. where this kind of comes from. And so there has been this history of, you know, that Christians are kind of only coming out of this sort of anti-sexual period in church history in which the word sex and sin were so closely linked that many of God's people, they regard them as this, you know, they go together, sex wow. and sin, right? Rather than like sex is good, but you need to wait for it. Yes. Yes. Okay. It should be sex and blessing inside this boundary of marriage. Right. Yeah. And this comes from way back. And let me get into a little bit of theology here, okay? So back in the good old days, there was this idea that the people had primarily a spiritual part that was good, which is our mind and soul, mm-hmm. and our physical part, the body, or what the Bible calls the flesh, maybe, and that was bad. But they kind of put these two things as the dualistic, like they're separate from each other, and they lumped the body with the flesh. Oh, okay, as sin. Yeah. And this is called Gnosticism. And today this kind of comes out in the format of our soul is saved and redeemed, like, yay, praise Mm -hmm. God, but our bodies are all bad and sinful. Boo. So anything you're doing with your body is wrong, especially if it feels good. And and this is kind of tricky theologically because the Bible does talk about the lust of the flesh and it condemns it. right? Right. So it's not simple to tease these things apart. But where it goes off the rails is it fails to acknowledge that even though this body's corrupted and one day will be buried, God has saved our whole person so that even our mortal bodies, the Bible Mm -hmm. teaches in 1 Corinthians, will eventually put on immortality. And in the meantime, in our bodies, we are capable of both sexual immorality and moral, good, healthy sexual pleasure. Mm -hmm. The same body can do the same two things. Mm -hmm. Okay? And so... In our Bibles, again, both the Lord Jesus and Paul affirm the truth that was established at the dawn of creation, that when two people marry, they become one flesh. And that's an endorsement of marriage sex without any caveats, without any fine print, without any need for second guessing. And this is what we have okay. to believe, that God endorses sex inside of marriage. Yes. And so what we're called to do as believers is to understand that while our bodies can be used to sin, they can also be used to glorify God. And that sin can look like anything we do with our body. We can strike someone with anger. That's mm-hmm. using my body to sin. I can speak words that cut other people down. Mm-hmm. I can think wrong thoughts with my brain. Mm-hmm. I can have sex with people I'm not supposed to have sex with. That's mm-hmm. all sin. Okay. And it's wrong. But, you know, the thing is, we don't have guilt about using our body to hug people. Instead of hitting them. Yeah. Yeah. Or have guilt to affirm a person, which is a good thing, instead of cutting our spouse down maybe, or thinking loving thoughts about our spouse instead of lustful thoughts about someone else. So why should we have guilt around sexual desire, arousal, and intercourse with our spouse? Mm, yeah. So we really kind of pin a lot of guilt on this sex thing to try to get people to not have sex before marriage or outside of marriage. And the difficulty is that's carrying into marriage. Got it. So God wants us to use our body redemptively in this world. And if you think about it, even the Lord Jesus Christ, he needed a body to accomplish redemption through his death on the cross. And in the same way, 
Our bodies are something that God wants us to use redemptively also in everyday moments, like speaking words of blessing, giving hugs to people that we love or who need encouragement, and to engage in rich, connected sexuality that expresses mutuality and is monogamous. In other words, having sex with your spouse. That's a redemptive use of your body. Really? You don't buy that? Well, I guess I just never thought of it before. Yeah. Like God delights in that. Hmm. That's a good use of the human body. You were, you were, I mean, he designed you for that. There's body right. parts and yeah. nerves that we all have that don't get used for anything else. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So that's my little sermon. Hmm. And hopefully it leads to a whole lot of marriage sex amongst our listeners. So I get into more detail on this and you can get that in the bonus audio track. Just send that word podcast to 9292 spouse or open your browser to oif.link slash 96. Look for the gray box with the orange button. We won't spam you. We won't sell your email address. We won't give it away to anyone else, but we do use that list to help marriages. Not just ask you to buy something from us every second day, but actually stay in touch with you. Mm-hmm. Do you know what, what I'm thinking? Yeah. I was, well, I kind of thought it a long time ago, but like the whole sex is bad thing. Yeah. I can, I think it can be even covert in, like if it feels this good, it must be bad. Yeah. Like you're not allowed to have this Like much even the dessert, right? You know, like people will say like, oh, if it tastes yeah. this good, it can't be good for you. Yeah. Yeah. And in doing so though, we're just kind of like re-emphasizing the, the bad, the guilt, the that shame. What we enjoy in our bodies is wrong or, yeah. or the, yeah, the shame. Yeah. Meanwhile, there's absolutely nothing wrong with it. Yeah. And it's a gift enjoy from, it. It's a gift from God that he wants us to delight in. Yeah. I think part of that too, when I come back to how you even think about God, like what he's like, his character. Yeah. The Bible says every good and every perfect gift comes from above, including the gift of sex. Hmm. An incredible chocolate cake. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So Are I think you equating chocolate cake with sex? No, Verlinda. No, not at all. There is no chocolate cake that would come close, I assure you. There's some pretty good chocolate cakes out there though. <laughs> it can be both. Don't make me choose between them. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Don't do that to me. Okay. I'm never making chocolate cake again. <laughs> oh, I screwed this up. That's it. We're All right. Make, we're going to get marriage counseling. I want both. <laughs> okay. Where are you going with this? If I just tell you I'd choose you over chocolate cake any day, is that okay? <laughs> Okay, can we just get back to where you're okay. supposed to be going? I just, I'm kind of worried now. Okay, let's get back on track here. So I want to talk about this then, Verlinda. So the, the uh, let me just gather my thoughts here mm-hmm. and say goodbye to my chocolate <laughs> Goodbye. So on one level, like the, the bonus audio track, I really get into the thoughts that get in our way and how to change those thoughts. So that's very specific and action items that you could do. I, I encourage you to get that if you're listening today. Uh, it'll definitely help you move towards where you want to go. But I want to think about how we can change this in our culture, in our church cultures too, and talk about that here because all of our listeners, you're in your little family that you have. Most of you have kids. You've let us know that on your survey. We have kids too. And you're in a church family probably as well. And you can influence that to start to make a cultural shift here. And this is a vital part of what we do here at onlyyouforever.com is not to just touch marriages, but we're actually hoping to create some cultural shift here as well. Mm-hmm. And so I found a great resources in an article from Miller 2007. He discusses the mind shifts that we need to change in our Christian view of sexuality so we can move away kind of from that whole sexually repressive mindset of previous generations towards what he calls a redemptive sexual counterculture. 
And that's a way to both love sexuality and live faithfully. Mm, and combine okay. the two. Okay. Absolutely. Why should they be separate or different or against each other? Antagonistic. Can you think of any other words? Yeah. <laughs> Very good. Chocolate cake comes to mind. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So I'm going to give you six things that we can do differently. And you can tear these apart or yeah. endorse them however you uh-huh. might like to. All right. All right. Number one, we need to talk openly and directly about sexuality in our homes and churches. And actually you're better at this than I am. Like when our kids ask something, like I kind of feel like because I'm the therapist, I should be able to do it. But I like go all red and I'm like, mm, what do I do? And yeah, you're pretty you good giggle. at having some words. And I giggle. <laughs> <laughs> but this needs to be appropriate to age. Age appropriate. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like our 14 year old knows a whole lot more than our 11 year old. Yes. You know, like our 11 year old doesn't need to know. No. Quite as much about sexuality. Right. And that's interesting too, because if you ask where teenagers learn about sexuality. Yeah. Usually the church comes in last. Yeah. And often the family is way down towards the end as well. They're hearing about at school from friends and peers. Right. But what I've seen in studies, and I don't have the reference in this uh, episode today. What I've seen in studies in the past is that they actually want to hear about it from their parents. Mm-hmm, I've heard that too. And they'd like to hear about it at church. Hmm. Like that would be a good place for them to understand a healthy view of sexuality. Right. I think it's harder at church though, because you have such a broad spectrum of ages in your audience. That is right. You like know? you'd actually have to say, okay, everybody under 16, like leave, go downstairs for <laughs> Sunday school. Yeah. Right. And this is what we're going to talk about. Yeah. But this is, this is one way to help. Yeah. Second way is recognizing how, and I'm just going to use a word here and then unpack it a little bit, recognizing how embodied our lives are and that we need to embrace the fundamental goodness of that embodiment, that we have bodies as a gift from God. Mm -hmm. So God became flesh and dwelt among us. Mm -hmm. That's the Lord Jesus Christ. And he experienced the desires, the drives and the sexual realities. And just, I'm going to qualify this in a moment, the sexual realities that we do. So he knew what it was like to be subject to the same sexual desires that we are, we have, Mm -hmm. and he empathizes with those desires. Now we have to watch this one. And this is me commenting on what Miller said here now, because we have to be careful about speculating. The scriptures teach us that the Lord Jesus was impeccable, meaning he did no sin, nor was he tempted to sin. He did not struggle with lust. Okay. But we do have every reason to believe that he had the same sexual capabilities as any other man. Right. However, he lived free from sexual guilt because he did no sin. And I just think there's something there to encourage us as we're being sanctified, so making more, being made more holy and becoming more like Christ, to know that because of our salvation and the indwelling power of the Spirit, we can be sexual beings who live free from sexual sin. Yes. Agreed. Yeah. And enjoy the sex inside of our marriages. We can be that kind of a person. That's, God wills that. He's made us capable of that designed us for that. So invites us to that. So what is this embodiment embody? It's just, it's recognizing that God has left us in our body to interact with the world around us. Oh, that's just simple. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Got it. Got it. Yep. Number three, Miller talks about keeping in mind the sexuality big picture. And this is the idea that sexuality is a lot more than what we just do with our genitals. Oh, okay, yeah. It's about our full body selves and it's about love and connection that you and I have and that we want our listeners to have, husband and wife, the attachment with each other, the friendship between each other. 
how we relate to each other in as many forms. Mm-hmm. So there's this whole big picture of intimacy. It's not just a function of genitals. Right. right? Yes, I agree. Like there's meaning, there's connection, there's love. Yeah. All these profound things there, right? Number four, we need to be very, I think, quick and deliberate critics of exploitative sexual images in our culture. And so I've, over mm-hmm. the last 30 years, you know, pornography has had this huge widespread increasing acceptance. And we need to say, that's not what sex looks like. Now I did come across something else interesting, Verlena, in, in uh, uh, the Danish country. What's Danish stand for? Sweden? Uh, no, Denmark. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> They're showing short pornography clips as part of their sexual education program. And before you... What? Okay, hang on a sec. Okay. Before you freak out on that... They're making two. They're making one assumption, which is the kids are looking at it anyways. And number two, they're doing it to say this is not real sex. This is pornography sex. Mm. And so they're trying to teach the kids to say that's that's not like what's real. That's mm-hmm. not what's going to mm-hmm. happen between you and another like real flesh and blood person. Mm-hmm. So I don't agree with the showing of pornography clips to to youth. Yeah. Okay. But I can see where they're going with that. Yeah. Well, even one of our kids, one of her health projects last week was to cut out or to identify photos that have been... Photoshopped? Yeah. Uh, I can't even remember the word they use, though. Like, basically sexualized. So they're unreal images. Yeah. So, you know, like, all of a sudden the eyebrows are bigger and the cheekbones are higher and the neck is longer. Like, even just facial things, but even how they use the body and they make Mm. the waist slimmer... Mm on ads, right? To They're get idealized. Or yeah. Something. Yeah. Oh. All these idealized images. Yeah. And you know, I've noticed myself that as I became, you know, I remember there was kind of this mind blown moment a number of years ago on Facebook, somebody had an ad and it was like the model on the left side and then the model without all the airbrushing and Photoshopping on mm-hmm. the right side. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, wow. Like, you wouldn't even know it's the same person. No, there's a normal human being on the right side. She doesn't actually look like that. Yeah. And I think that's where, you know, we need to have our brains kind of jump in front and say, okay, what you just saw there, that's not real. Yes. So don't value that. Yes. And don't expect that from your spouse. And don't think you should look like that. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Okay. So that was becoming uh, careful critics of exploitative sexual images or any sexualized image, I think. Yep. Okay. Next, we cannot assume, number five, that passes for sexual freedom actually is. Yes. What? Elaborate, Verlinda. Well, I just think that I had a friend on Facebook and she was in an open relationship because they were free to, you know, whatever. And these, this, they were married yeah. and it didn't go very well. Like she wasn't happy in it no. and they were just using their bodies basically as animals to go and do whatever they wanted Yeah, and thinking that that was freedom, sexual freedom, right. but that's totally not what, no, no. And that, that ties back to the to earlier, no, you're, you're banging on it. It ties back to his earlier point that sex is more than what we do with our genitals. Yeah. And this is the hookup culture though. that just says, you know what? Like we can eat a meal together. We can have a sexual experience together. We're just satisfying an appetite oh. and we don't need to actually have anything between us, but that's costing people. And I get to talk to people who bring sexual histories to their marriage and they're like, you know what? I gave something away every time I did that mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. of myself. And so, if that's been you and that's your history, I don't want this to sound judgmental at all or demeaning or like you're broken or whatever. Like we are all broken yes, and we all need redemption and healing in our lives. But this is a mindset that we need to not adopt that there is greater sexual freedom when we reduce the moral 
boundaries the Bible places upon us. The greatest sexual freedom you have is inside of your marriage. God has blessed that. Yeah. And that should be engaged and we should be seeking to enrich that all the time. And number six, and this is such a huge point. What he says is that what we really yearn for in life is intimacy rather than the stimulation of genital nerve endings. And I just can't underscore this enough that we want connection, right? And what? Um, You're doing the goldfish thing. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, the stimulation of genital nerve endings is not a bad thing. Right. Yeah. Was I sounding like I was taking us away from that? Kind of. Really? Well, you were saying what we really yearn for in life is intimacy rather than this. Oh, okay. So I'm saying no, like I, that's okay too. Well, I agree with you there. Okay. <laughs> Maybe rather than is not the right word. Yeah. But like in marriage. But within the appropriate context. Yay for stimulating nerve endings. Yeah. Right. But here's the thing is you and I could just stimulate nerve endings together. Like how good of a quality of sex is that going to feel like if that's our goal for Linda mm. for the next month, right? Yeah. yeah. One of us is going to feel like a doormat. Yeah. And the other like a pair of shoes. Like it's just no. <laughs> that's no, quite the analogy. Thank you. It's like the connection is. And this kind of comes back to the big picture is that it has to be this, this larger thing than we just have genitals that need, have needs to be taken care of. Okay. Yeah, I do agree with that. Yeah. So intimacy is this God given valid human need and sex is just one part of that. A wonderful, delightful part. Mm -hmm. But this is part of the messaging that we need to communicate is that as human beings, we need to seek and to pursue intimacy and where we're married to include that sexually as well. Okay. All good. Got it. So there you have it. And I don't want to pretend that this is something you've struggled with for years. Listening to us for 30 minutes is going to flip the switch. Yeah. Maybe for some of you it will. And that would be awesome. But I'd love to hear from you. If this has been an issue for you, you can let me know if this was helpful or not. And the best way to reach out is through our website. Just click the link for get in touch on onlyyouforever.com. And that drops straight into my inbox. And if you reach out, I will respond. I'd love to hear from you. All right, we want to shout out a huge thank you to those who left us reviews on iTunes this week. Mm-hmm. Do you want to read this one, babe? Sure, it says, found at the right time. Five stars by Married With Issues in Canada. It's a good name. Yeah. Who <laughs> <laughs> says, my wife and I are going through a rough time and I found this and for me, it has been a huge eye opener. I just started listening and have been telling my wife about this podcast and she should start listening with me. It's been very informative and I'm excited to listen to all the podcasts and the future podcasts as well. The website is also amazing and full of helpful tools. Keep up the good work. Thank you. Thank you, Mary. With issues. (laughs) With issues. That's awesome. Yeah. That could be a popular username. Okay. Next week, we're talking about personality differences in marriage. We had someone write to tell us they couldn't be more different than their spouse in so many ways. And I think that's kind of what attracts us to each other, Verlinda, but I think it can become a point of concern if we don't learn how to honor those differences. Mm-hmm. So make sure you check back in next week for some more great research and wisdom on how to work with those personality differences. That's all for today's episode. You can get the full show notes at oyf.link slash 96. Again, we'll ask you to please leave us a review on iTunes. And we've had a few come through recently, which we'll be sharing in the next few episodes. It's encouraging for us. And we just love how our reviewers talk about how this podcast is changing their Mm -hmm. lives and marriages. And we'd love to hear the same from you. And your review also makes our show more visible on iTunes so that 
you can help us reach and influence more marriages. So those few that we'd actually received, they pushed us up into the top 50 marriage podcasts on iTunes USA. Really? Which is awesome. And we'd like to keep moving up so we can influence more marriages. That's not a status thing. That's how visible you are. Right. And how how you can help more people. Yes. Thanks. And we'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to the OnlyYouForever.com podcast. Please help us reach and influence a wider audience by rating and reviewing our podcast at OnlyYouForever.com slash love. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.